episode of Emerald Echo at Green Lantern Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Adam. Uh, and with me is my co-host, Donnie, the Emerald enthusiast himself. Donnie? What's up, Lantern fans? It's the man whose ring runs on fanboy energy, the podcasting machine, the big nerd in green, and we're back! We are indeed. Uh, not that we left uh, for a long period of time because we've been doing other shows. So if you subscribe to the YouTube channel, or the Podbean you've been wa- watching and hearing us all along. Uh, we haven't left. Uh, and we don't plan to, so that's that's the good thing. Um, but uh, as... We'll be with you forever. Well, yeah, for as, unless an asteroid hits the Earth, then we'll sign off and say sayonara. But until then, uh, <laughs> okay. you know, we're good. But uh, It's going to be that anticlimactic, huh? If that asteroid hits, we're like, all right, see ya. <laughs> Or, or the Leafs win the cup either way because then we'll know the world is ending. Okay. Uh, but uh, that's neither here nor there. As uh, you can tell, when, whenever we get to do uh, just an Emerald Echo recording, it's either one of two things. We're either, well, three things. We're either spotlighting a particular lantern. We're either revisiting Kyle Rayner's uh, tenure as Green Lantern. Or we're reviewing the current Green Lantern which is uh, being written by uh, Jeffrey Thorne and drawn by Tom Rainey and uh, Marco Santucci. Of course, uh, we are actually here to review the latest uh, Green Lantern issue, but not just issue. We have two issues. Uh, So which two issues will we be covering today, Donnie? We are going to start with the annual because it was supposed to have been released before issue number five of the main series, that did not happen. And so now we're going to talk about that, and then we're going to go on to issue number six. Mm. Sounds fantastic. So let's uh, let's get right into the annual then. What uh, Give us a little bit of a, you know, a lay of the land of what's going on in this annual. Okay. First of all, this picks up right after the Jessica Cruz story in Future State number one. And this is a story called Exposure Therapy. And the creative team, we've got Ryan Cady as the writer, Sam Basiri, Tom Derenick as the pencilers, Hi-Fi Rob Lee, Hi-Fi being the colorist, Bernard Chang and Alex Sinclair on the cover, David Nakayama on the variant cover, Bixie Mathal, the uh, assistant editor, and Mike Cotton, the editor. And this opens up with Jessica being Jessica Cruz, coming to New Korrigar, having Lisa Drack and Ugg One and Lowe in chains with a Sinestro Corps ring. So she is now wearing a Sinestro Corps ring, and she has captured three members of the Sinestro Corps, and she's delivering them to Sinestro. Mm. So a pretty shocking way to open this annual. That was a cool image, yeah, to start start things off, Yeah. yeah. Um, I that art was fantastic. The, the art in this book, the whole book was just top notch. Mm-hmm. But uh, again, it, I, I think it just shows um, the what's the word I'm, I'm looking for? The, the is prowess the right word of, of Jessica as a, as a lantern in the sense that you know. Well, you know, in that future state story, we saw her take on those three Sinestro Corps members without a ring. Yeah, so die she's, hard. So. she's resourceful. Yeah, she's very die hard. Yeah. 
A lot of people said that. They really liked that part of the story. In, it's uh, Lantern Heart, I guess. I, I don't know. <laughs> I would watch that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, so anything with the name Lantern in it, I think you'd watch. Now, now if, it starts, if it starred Nort, uh, I might skip it. But anyway. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, HBO Max is going to do that just for you now. They're no, go no. no Nort, eight-episode eight miniseries. <laughs> Hashtag release the Nort, uh, the Nort show. There we go. Hey, you want to go to the moon, Alice? Bang, zoom. <laughs> All right. Anyway, so, yeah, back to this issue. I really do like, you know, kind of the opening scene here because we get, you know, Sinestro standing the way he usually does, very stoic and just kind of calculating the scenario. Yeah. And Lisa Drack, who, by the way, you know, there was a point where Sinestro said a long time ago, and I can't remember the issue, that he recruited her because she doesn't have any weaknesses. Now, her powers have kind of been kind of ill-defined, but she's much more than human. And she easily turns the tables on Jessica here. She was just kind of feigning things, it seems, to get back to New Korrigar. And all of a sudden, she turns the tables using fear on Jessica. And I even like the line where she talks about, you know, how quickly the snakehead turns back on itself. And so she's able to break out of the chains that Jessica had her in and... Jessica's kind of like instantly depowered, knocks knocked to her knees, and seemingly passes out. Yeah, no, it, it, my, my one of the things that struck me about about this whole issue is Sinestro's just general unchanging mood. Like you mentioned, that he was standing there. Uh, you know, stoically. Mm -hmm. That was pretty much his whole mood the entire time. You know, Sinestro, as we will see here throughout this issue, Sinestro is a master manipulator. And you can tell throughout oh, this whole thing, he's just calculating. And yeah. he doesn't he doesn't necessarily have to do anything physically for you to, like, feel his presence in a book. You can see the wheels turning in his head as he's standing there stoically. Just observing, uh, for sure. Uh, but yeah, I, I, it's just something I noticed throughout the issue as things were going on was like just the unchanging demeanor. Except for like there was a moment where he laughed at, you know, laughed scoffingly at, at one of Jessica's sarca uh, sarcastic remarks. But, yeah, that was that was in a latter scene where he was like, "Oh, human wit, how little yeah. I've missed it." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but other than that. You know, his emotional, like his expression didn't change much. No. Which I, f I find interesting. Yeah. Again, he was calculating the whole time and, uh, absolutely. you know, assessing the situation. And so we see that Jessica, she wakes up on New Korrigar and mm -hmm. she's been asleep. She's in a bed. She's not in any way imprisoned. And we see why. New Korrigar is this like finely tuned machine that's run under fear. Okay. Yeah. Sinestro has everything running his way. We kind of see his vision of what he thinks reality should be like and how a society should function. Well, he's, and, got it, he's got it running quite well. You got to you got you yeah. to give him. It's you peaceful. Got, you got to give him props for that. Sure, it's peaceful because nobody dares step out of line. Exactly. <laughs> he's so, like, go ahead, try it, try it. Yeah, go ahead and try it. You know, again. No need to have, you know, the, the Sinestro Corps out acting as police or whatever because everybody's petrified. So, 
yeah, it's an interesting exchange here too. She goes to his quarters and they kind of have a discussion and she, it's, you know, kind of a battle of wits a little bit. She's like, I'm just here to give the ring back. Yeah. And in through this, Sinestro talks about, and this is kind of the, I guess the meat of this issue is the nature of fear. And there's a lot of deep kind of delving into that emotion. Um, well, first of all, Sinestro, and this is something I think we'll, we'll get into a little bit when we talk about issue number six. He's like, you know, you only think that fear is a weapon to be used, to be turned outward on people. And that's not right. He's like, you know, I'm not a sadist. I'm an altruist. Now, that's a little bit of an overstatement. Um, <laughs> just a little bit. That's how he sees you know, himself. But yeah, that's sure. how he sees himself. And no, Sinestro is not someone, I think, who takes great glee in killing, especially anyone that's kind of outside of the scope of the Guardians and the Green Lanterns and their 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 allies. Yeah. He's not somebody who just goes out randomly killing people, taking joy in it. Yeah, I, have, don't think, I don't think he'd bother with anybody that that doesn't affect him or 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 like you say, the core or anything in his. You know, he's very he's very uh, focused. He's not going to get caught up with uh, with uh, you know anything outside of his realm, so to speak. Like you're not going to see Sinestro randomly go to Metropolis and start killing people. Like he no. And, and, and Sinestro has had a lot of heroic moments in the past. Yeah. He can be that way when it suits his ends. Right, exactly. Yeah. But again, he talks a little bit about, and I, I really like the the retro art here when we have like the flashback talking about, you know, his his experience with fear. Mm-hmm. And what, again, what is the nature of it? And he does make a point in that fear is often it's often looked at in kind of a reductive way that it's just something that fear is paralyzing and it stops our will to, you know, act. But fear is multifaceted and there's a lot of, there's a lot of positive aspects to fear. Okay. If you're standing on railroad tracks and you see a big light bearing down on you, you should be afraid of that and you should step off of it. If you're at a red, Yes. If you're at a red light, you should be afraid of running that red light and maybe running somebody over. You know, you should be afraid of a virus that has been killing people, hundreds of thousands and millions of people for the last two years. That That doesn't make you fearful. That makes you smart. Yeah, exactly. But one of the things that that he talks about here is how she can use fear to kind of reach out to other people and feel their fear too. We start to see that in this issue that that there's a part of fear that is very kind of empathetic. If you see someone else suffering and you understand what that fear feels like, then that can be a positive thing because you can then you can help them through it. Yeah. You can be compassionate and yeah. and act with this person. So now, that is not to say that Sinestro is not, again, still manipulating here. Because mm-hmm. one of the things he does is he says, um, oh, by the way, I can't offer you any way home, which is exactly what Jessica wants. She even says, I just want to go home. He's like, well, but I can only offer you the ring. That's the only way you can get home. I'm like, now, I just saw all this technology a couple pages back. 
Are you telling me there's not one spaceship on New Corridor that can you take can her home? I'm like, yeah, yeah, you're full of it. So it's, it's fun. you know, later on in issue six, we see that Sinestro says, well, one thing I'm not is a liar. And I'm like, well, again, that's an overstatement. I think you are fully capable of lying if it's you're too subjective true. To truth. Yes. He's very subjective yes. to truth. Yeah. yeah, selective with what he considers it's truth and lies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I think... I, w- I gotta admit though, it was very clever of him to say, "You can have a way home. Just take the ring." Yeah, just take the ring. And he knows what happens with, and really any rings on the emotional spectrum. The more the the person wears that ring, the more that ring is going to influence them, or there's mm-hmm. going to be like some kind of synergy between that person and the ring. Yeah. So the longer she has that ring the more influence it's going to exert on her and the harder it's going to be for her to put that power down. But but I liked it because it's like he's not spending their whole conversation, you know, browbeating her or trying to, you know, uh, uh, you know, like hammered into her head until she submits that you need to become a, a part of my, uh, my Sinestro Corps. He's just like, yeah, yeah, take the ring and, you know, yeah, bring it back or send it yeah. back when, 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 <laughs> when well, you're I, home. Or... Yeah, and I like what, you know, he's like, well, you show promise. Yeah. But, you know, I'm not going to – and see, that's the thing is a lot I'm of times – I'm not going to force you to do anything. Yeah. yeah. Well, see, here's the thing about Sinestro is that he's so good at manipulating. He can make you do what he wants. I mean, he can't force her in a way without forcing her, right? Well, sure, exactly. He can get you to do what he wants without it seeming like he's making you do what he wants. Yeah. Okay? He can make it seem like, oh, wait a minute. Oh, it's my idea, so I'll go do yada, yada, yada. Well, he's just let that roll because that that matches up with his ends. It's like if I tell you, you know, if I sit here and say, you know, Donnie, there would be, there's a real nice uh, Hal Jordan statue that would fit perfectly in that cabinet to the right of you. I'm not, you know, I'm not forcing you to buy it, but I just want to point out that I think it would look really good there. If I keep saying that and suggesting that in that kind of manner, right. you're probably going to give in and buy it. Well, exa- well, let, let, because, you know, uh, <laughs> such figure, I don't think you need me to twist your arm. To well, buy no, it. you know, I would be so inclined anyway. So yeah, yeah. Um, but just to give an example. So you know, we do see Jessica Lee. Do that with the He-Man figure though, with the with the, with the Skeletor. Skeletor. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm so proud of that moment, by the way, but continue. <laughs> so she does leave New Korrigar, and she's flying back to Earth, okay? The intention is to go home. Mm. And all of a sudden, we see her start to, like, feel empathy with her ring. We even see this kind this we see this motif, by the way, of a candle, of a candle kind of burning bright in the darkness. And... Yeah. She is able to kind of reach out and feel fear of these various beings across the universe. And we see that, you know, some beings like Darkseid, we see Darkseid here. We also see the Upside Down Man, who right. is creepy as all get out. Um, <laughs> definitely, a you know, a creature of fear. But we see her, you know, kind of reaching out and feeling and empathizing with all of these other uh, beings, aliens, people, whatever, who are experiencing fear for various reasons. Right. And so all of a sudden, she's not looking at fear in the same way. As I said, it's a multifaceted emotion. Not all of it's negative. 
Not all of it is paralyzing fear. Not all of it is inaction. And that's what we're seeing here is that fear can have a positive outcome yeah. if if it's, you know, if, if in a certain context it can. And that's what we're seeing just yeah, like she, mm-hmm. what I like that she, decides, she decides to act based on feeling the fear of those people at that on that ship. Right. Like she can sense their fears and she's like, let me use this ring to help them. Right. And and yeah, that's what we see is that there's a refugee ship, a refugee ship, excuse me, coming from Oa, coming from that disaster that happened on Oa. And it's moving very fast. And Jessica decides to act because she can feel the fear in there. Yeah. And yeah, so in this instance, fear is what kind of ties her to the people on that ship. Yeah. And in this instance, fear is what is causing her to act, you know? Like she's it, not scared, like she's not using a construct, right, to randomly scare the crap out of somebody and make them submit or do what she wants or, or, or what have you. She's she sensed their fear and now is going to use her ring to save them or attempt to. There is a moment where. She's trying to get a character to do a specific thing. He doesn't want to do, but but if he does this thing, it'll ultimately help him. Right. So what she decides to do is find something that he finds more fearful than what she's asking, mm-hmm. and she uses that in that instance to get him to do what she needs him to do. But that's a very different scenario than. I'm going to scare the crap out of you to torture you. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. yeah. Or or under the threat of death, you know, yeah. I'm going to, yeah. You know, in, in this instance, she finds fear as an ally, you know? Yeah. It's, right. Well, it, it's kind of like when, what was it? Uh, I believe it was Rocky Five when uh, Sylvester Stallone was uh, training that uh, fighter, uh, Tommy Gunn, I believe it was. Yeah. He's like, oh, yo, you know, your best friend is Freddy Fear, you know? <laughs> and so... <laughs> Sorry, that had to be done. But anyway, he, and he's not a Rocky audio sequel in the end. But yeah, again, here we see that this ship is experiencing a radiation leak, and the captain of this ship is—he is impaired. He is not acting because he's so afraid. And this ship, by the way, is on a collision course with Earth's moon. So Jessica knows she has to act, and what she does. She acts a little rashly here, by the way. She puts the first officer in charge. So what do you think of that scene? Well, that is the rational response. Mm. I mean, if, you, if you're looking at the organization of a ship, if the captain can perform his duty, the first officer is next in charge. Mm-hmm. So technically, she made, the, she made the right call. Unbeknownst to her, it was actually the wrong call. Right. She didn't again, quite it. Yeah, go ahead. It's proof that, you know, so in that instance, she doesn't have time to tell the ring, hey, can you do a background check on the first officer to make sure they're they're above board? Like, you know what I mean? She doesn't have that kind of time in the scenario that she was. I can so, see where you're so like, yeah. Even sometimes the best the best intentions and what you what you think is correct is not the right thing to do. But how would you, how would she have known that in that situation? Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, again, she does make the wrong decision here, but we don't have time to find that out because, yes, speaking of bad decisions, just as she is like, she uses fear to like unite everybody on this ship. She doesn't, 
terrify them. Yeah. But she basically motivates them. She ignites it within them just enough to say, hey, you all have to work together. Little bit of a commentary on society right there, wouldn't you think? You all have to work. You know, if you have a common enemy, you should all work together. Wow. What a concept. Definitely. So, yeah. <laughs> and we certainly do have a common enemy, but God forbid, you know, we're all getting, getting gear. <laughs> sure. And just as she is doing this, kapow, guess who shows up? Good it's old Mr. Hal. <laughs> it's Mr. Act First, Think Second, Hal Jordan. <laughs> yeah, indeed, indeed. And I say that as somebody, again, some of these things are, are why I love Hal as a character, is that sometimes he rushes yeah, in. that's part of his persona, right? <laughs> exactly. He's the Han so, Solo of the, of, the, of the Green Lantern Corps. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good, uh, good comparison there. So, and by the way, again, I like the art here. You know, he flies in with kind of, you know, jet plane looking construct. Oh, that was a beautiful shot. Uh, oh, yeah, and great coloring, great coloring. Mm. That would be like a great frame piece of art or a computer background uh you know yeah, actually I might, I might try that i might try that later actually now that i mentioned it yeah <laughs> that's that's that hey i'd like to see that and um but of course you know again he realizes hey it's jessica and she's like whoa it's hal so we see this you this reuniting between the two of them and initially they're just kind of excited and relieved to see one another but then Hal kind of assesses, wait a minute, she's got on a yellow ring. Yeah, but my thing is, I, I like how he was kind of shocked by that. But I'm like, um, wait a minute, didn't you see the yellow uniform? And let, let like me it wasn't that she was wearing, it's not like she was wearing jeans and a t-shirt. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, well, you know. and... Go ahead, go ahead for it because I have something that. Uh, no, I no, go, go, go. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I've seen some people say that they thought Hal overreacted, and I'm not necessarily going to disagree here, but you need to see it through this lens. Okay, let's assume that either Emerald Twilight or his, uh, uh, you know, his uh, uh, when Parallax took control of Hal, one of those two things or both of those things have happened in this continuity. Let's just assume that one of those things happened. Hal knows what it's like to betray his core. He knows what it's like to be controlled by fear. He knows what it's like to have those past mistakes in play. And I think he saw her, and in his heightened emotional state, he was like, wait a minute, is she part of this? Has she possibly betrayed us? And so he kind of overreacts, and there's a couple panels where he's, like, screaming at her, and people are like, oh, that's out of character. Well, I'm like, I don't necessarily think so, because, again, he is somebody who, he's on a, he's on a, uh, he, he's bound for Oa from Earth. He doesn't know what's going on. Again, very emotional, and I think he thought Jessica maybe somehow tied into what happened. Mm. Yeah, right. Because, you know, there's an old saying, and I'm going to butcher this, that the things that irritate us most about others are the, you know, when we see the worst part of ourselves reflected right. in others, the things right. that we hate about ourselves. Well, I think right. Hal looked at that and said, wait a minute, did this happen because Jessica went over to the other side? Yeah, and and he he has that. 
I think it's fair to say that, that on some level, he'll always live with the regret and the guilt of that. You know, I think Hal always looks at, you know, now he's kind of the legend who regrets his past when it comes to that. And I think he views everything now through that lens mm-hmm. of the past of, again, whether it's Emerald Twilight, whether it was his decision or whether it was Parallax, you know, doing that through him either way. He feels responsibility for that. Yeah. So then we see with this issue that Jessica realizes that her plan has gone sideways because the first officer is actually part of a mercenary group smuggling contraband and the survival of the citizens. They're not a priority. No. Yeah. So. By the way, there was one part of this that I thought was a little strange. You know, Sinestro kind of pops up communicating with her through her ring. Yeah. You know, she was a little surprised by that, but I'm like, well, Green Lantern rings do that too, though. So, yeah, it was, a kind of, it was a kind of weird reaction. I would agree mm-hmm. with that, yeah. Yeah. So and Maybe she thought he wasn't going to chime in. He wasn't watching because he had said, well, go home and... And we, if you want, send the ring back and whatever. So maybe she thought, well, he's he probably let it be. And so that's why she was surprised. I don't know. But. Well, yeah, maybe she just thought that she had a little bit more autonomy under this you know, scenario with the Sinestro core ring. But obviously yeah. she didn't. Again, Sinestro, again, still manipulating here. We see that towards the so end. Of watching. The yeah, exactly. So, you know, she and Hal, they are able to you know, rectify the mistake, save the civilians. And she and Hal have this discussion. And again, there's still some tension between them. And she tells Hal, she's like, you know, I don't trust Sinestro, but I just can't sit on the sidelines for this with all this happening. And, you know, she's like, you know, really, you should be the one, you know, going back to Earth and like, you know, staying put at this point, you know. Yeah. And then he explained that, you know, he's hanging back on purpose because of what happened on Oa to the power battery. And that if the remaining lanterns that are are still functioning fail, Mm -hmm. he'll be the last, you know, the last reserve, the last resort. Right. So it's a good explanation. Sure. Uh, and, and, And I get that. And yeah, and she's the one who's saying that, you know, you should, you know, you should stay put and. You know, this this is how I think you should be doing this right now. But and she's like, um, you know, she's like, uh, and if you don't, there's going to be litigation. You don't like litigation, do you, boy? <laughs> so so much uh, for the so much for the <laughs> thought uh, how Jordan was going to be treated badly and, and disrespected in this uh, in this series. Remember? Yeah. Well, and you know, this is this isn't written by Jeffrey Thorne, but at the same time, no, but you yeah. Know, uh, and and again, uh, I want to say that. I realize that for a lot of people, Hal Jordan's their favorite lantern. Nothing wrong I, with that. Yeah, I get that, yeah. But we're seeing, you know, this story and and uh, the main series kind of almost in kind of an anthology way. Like, we're getting little parts of the story all over the place, different time periods, or seemingly. And mm-hmm. so, to me, it's more like a, this kind of acts as like a Green Lantern core book. 
And, he really does without calling it Green Lantern Corps, yeah. Sure. And, you know, not to mention how Jordan's in Last Ride, which is – by the, the, the four issues that I've read so far is magnificent. Oh, so, five is great, too. Yeah. I so, just read five. Well, you know what? Maybe we should do an overall review of that when it's finished. Oh, yeah. I'm totally down with that. But I will say, and again, not to not to, uh, not to be a, a downer, but I will say, just as an aside – I am losing favor with the regular Justice League book. Mm-hmm. The last couple of issues have not impressed me at all. Okay. So my my go-to Justice League book right now is uh, Justice League Last Ride. So I give it a, a, the highest endorsement possible. Uh, and the other thing is I haven't checked out the uh, – I want to, though. The Justice League uh, – is it called Justice League United? The one, the one that's in continuity with the animated series. There's a new one. Yeah, I know. I know what one you're talking. Yeah, is it? Yeah, maybe it is Justice League United. I haven't, I haven't read it yet, but I want it's it's on my list. Mm-hmm. And if that's good, then we'll also do something uh, a review for that when it's when at least one arc is complete. Okay. Yeah, I'm totally down with that. But yeah, continue. We went a little bit on a JL tangent, but well, that's uh, fine. So Green Lantern's in that, so we're allowed. Well, yeah, yeah there, there you go. So it's she my, goes. It's our show. We're allowed to do whatever we want. That's right. That's right. I want yeah. to talk about bacon and apple pie with diamond. That's what we're talking uh, about. That, uh, you and you'll like it. <laughs> Speaking of uh, Stephen, apple pie. <laughs> well, if I can get on here and do impressions of uh, of Rocky and and Randy Savage, then yeah, obviously you know we're <laughs> we're we play it fast and loose sometimes. So. Yeah. But yeah, we play fast and loose with continuity. <laughs> <laughs> well, but what we see here is Jessica makes the decision instead of going back to Earth, because again, she's been saying, I just want to go home. She instead goes back to New Corrigar. Yeah. And of course, Sinestro was like, Yeah, I knew that was going to happen. Of course, you're coming back. The arrogance on that guy is, is just priceless, man. Yeah, and, and even uh, Lisa Drack was just like, hey, how you doing? Come back. Oh, no no hard feelings, you know. And yeah. I like how Jessica's like, you know, I'm not going to say your oath. And Sinestro's like, hey, no problem, because he knows she's still operating in a way that he finds pleasant now. So yeah. we see her at the end here recharging her ring. Yeah. So. And uh, I, I, I like the fact that he's like, he puts them together. He's like, you, you two are going to have to work, work together. Can you handle that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, and like I said, I like Sinestro in this. I like Jessica's characterization. I like the theme of, again, fear being a complicated emotion. I, I like the fact that, yes, she's joined the Sinestro Corps. But they didn't, they did it in a way where she did not betray her character. And she did not betray the Green Lantern Corps. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also think this is this makes sense for Jessica because of her experience with fear and anxiety, and now and now she's getting a chance to to use that her experience with that and use it to accomplish good. Mm-hmm. And I dig that. Yeah, this wasn't like. Like kind of the heelish turn that like you know Saronic Natu had in Hal yeah. Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps, where you know she went off and branded Kyle and you know this, says this is not like like the third man situation where Hulk Hogan comes in. And, and, 
<laughs> you know, does the leg drop on, on Randy Savage and then spray paints him. You know, it's well, really different. right. And right now we got about half of our listenership is like, what? What are you talking about? Oh, what? Well, well, yeah. Ash at the Beach 1996. Go check it out. So That's right. YouTube. Yeah. So that brings us to the end of the annual. So what are your thoughts, sir, as far as rating? Oh, for me, it's a five, a five for the writing and the art is a five as well. This is perfect. This is a perfect issue. The writing, yeah, I'm going to give it a five. The art, I'm only going to give a four. And the reason why I say that is most of it was spectacular and there was nothing technically wrong that I saw there, but, and I'm going to nitpick this a little bit, but to me, Sinestro was drawn a little too young looking. Okay. All right. Or, you know, yeah, again, for, you know, again, he looks, he's supposed to be an experienced leader here. I'm just like, all right, well, but he looks like he's 20. So I know that's a nitpick. Nothing wrong with the art at all. Again, technically beautiful. Yeah. But that's, yeah. So, uh, writing for uh, writing five art four so yeah awesome all right shall we move on sir let's do it okay we go to Green Lantern number six mm. and um, key word here this story is called entanglement and re- remember back you know when the when the battery supposedly blew up and now we see that it was actually deconstructed and we saw the guardians kind of entangled in, you know, uh, later on, that's what caused Kelly to like, you know, kind of lose her mind and go to new Korrigar. So this is a story called entanglement. Jeffrey Thorne, the writer, Marco Santucci, Tom Rainey, Mike Atea, Simon Boland, Bernard Chang and Alex Sinclair with the cover, Brian Hitch and Alex Sinclair with the variant cover. Mike Cotton, senior editor, and Bixie Mathau, the assistant editor. So it kind of opens up here with Joe Mullane. She's on OA, and she is kind of getting a crash course in Green Lantern history, which I thought was really interesting. She's trying to get her head around some of the enormity of the past villains. Now, remember, she's got no central power battery to, like, hook her ring into, and like she can't down, say, yeah, she can't say yeah. ring. Show me the, show me the history of our, our core or whatever. Right, and she has no guardians to like tell her what's going on here. So yeah. he, she has to try to digest this information herself. I, I I think that's cool because it kind of puts her in the position of a new fan, mm-hmm. trying to you know wrap their head around continuity and who this lantern is and who that lantern is. So I I like the symmetry there. The you know the. That's cool. Like so, if you just started reading Green Lantern, she's kind of your your representative in this story. And yeah, I think for a lot of there there are some younger readers, and I've seen some feedback online. A lot of people like Joe. They connect with Joe, maybe more so than for and for there are a number of reasons for this, but maybe more so than the older titular lanterns. Mm-hmm. You know, they like her. You know, the the new take with Far Sector, and and so they're connecting with her. So. Yeah. So what we see early on here is that she and Simon, and again, we're going to take a step back here. This is her and Simon deciding to go to New Korrigar and mm-hmm. rescue Kelly. And, mm-hmm. you know, in in the last issue, we only got like a snapshot of, of Simon in that armor. And here we actually see him, you know, kind of getting into the armor. And I really like that. Um, 
And it wasn't at, I believe it wasn't at PayFL or somebody who referred to him as the Broken Lantern. And he's like, hey, no, 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 no. <laughs> no I'm not broken. I, I think, yeah, I I think of this. <laughs> yeah, it's, I forget which character did that. But uh, he gets in the armor. And like I said, I really like it. And the fact that Joe charges it up with her ring. You know, they like, kind of, it's not the same at all, but you know what it kind of reminded me of? What's that? It kind of reminded me of that scene in Iron Man in the cave when Yinsen was programming, you know. Mm-hmm. It's not the same, but it, it evoked that kind of... Well, I, I mean, obviously there's a parallel there with, with the armor he's wearing in Iron Man. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we see the two of them head off to New Korrigar, and now her ring, at this point, I believe she says it's only at 57%. So... She's flying Simon there in kind of this like metallic construct, this metallic bubble construct. And she obviously intends for that to go there and pick up Kelly and get Kelly out of there. However, they arrive and they arrive at the point where we saw the previous issue where Kelly is using this giant construct of John to fight against the Sinestro Corps. Yeah. And so with this story, you kind of see a pivot in the timeline, well, not in the timeline, but what we saw in the previous issue, we kind of saw Kelly fighting with the Sinestro Corps, and I didn't think that was all that there was to it, and there wasn't. We see that Joe and Simon have intervened here, and they're actually part of the reason that Kelly is able able to overcome the Sinestro Corps and kind of fight them to a draw uh, right. for a time. So. And uh, she makes a big kind of... And, I, and I think, just, just quick, quick... I don't think that 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 belittles or devalues Kelly at all. I just think you know uh, it, it makes the character more believable. And yes, man, her and that gauntlet have some immense power, but she's still you know twelve, twelve or thirteen, and this is the reminder of that that she's not you know for lack of a better word, she's not Superman. She can't do it all herself, right? Right. And again, you know, she she has a power source that we're still learning about. I, again, we don't know all the details behind the gauntlet, but you saw Jessica take her down easily because Jessica you know, kind of comes up behind her yeah. and kind of ignites well, that fear. Yeah. Jessica's so, more experienced. And, yeah. And, and again, based on the previous issue we we're talking about with the annual, now we understand Jessica is already kind of, you know, kind of... And I won't say we use the word lethal. That's not the right word, but proficient in using. Yeah, she's that. kind of like Anakin, but it, but but you know, not killing kids. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, that's, just subduing, just subduing them. There's a bad difference. Kind of like Anakin without the kid killing. Okay, that's that's. The <laughs> so uh, tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> uh, no, you're yeah, you're right. So uh, one of the things I like though is that. You know, Simon's like, you know, you've got all these people after you here. You know, we see it was an Arkelo and Moose and um, I forget exactly. I, there was like five of them after her. And he says, you know, you're not familiar with them. And she's like, well, they're not familiar with me either. So, you know, she has confidence. And I like that she makes this kind of giant mecha construct. Kind of reminds me of the things that like uh, Kyle used to make. Yeah, 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 yeah. And again, the art in this, uh, this part of the issue is just. It's beautiful. I could stare at Marco Santucci's art all day mm, and just yeah. get lost and, and like lose time. Yeah. It is. I wasn't overly familiar with him before this, mm -hmm. 
but he's one of the best artists around, in my opinion. Mo like in terms of modern comics, like present day comics, he's one of the best artists around. Yeah. Uh, so Joe heads to like you know Sinestro's like quarters, and you know she brings the rest of the Sinestro core there and kind of well. She doesn't drop them at his doorstep right immediately. Right. She first has this kind of conversation with him. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> interesting scene. And uh, what were their names? I can't remember. They actually do have names, and I'm not I'm remembering right now. The two female aliens that Sinestro had in his bed. Okay. Mm -hmm. So when he walks out of the door... We yeah, Sinestro's a busy man. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He's doing some extracurricular activities and and overseeing a new corridor. Yeah. So Very anyway, totally <laughs> fascinating. That's Sinestro. <laughs> well, my thought was, like I said, he walks out of the door and he has kind of these two. Uh, they're almost like uh, um, saber tooth uh, uh, tiger looking monsters with him. Yeah. And I noticed that the uh, you know the antenna right away, and I thought, oh, they're the pets of the two women that he was, or female aliens that he was with. Um, later on, you see that's not the case. They actually are the two female aliens, and they change back into the female aliens. Oh, that's the national's one freaky man. I was, I was a little disturbed by that. <laughs> freaky, freaky man. There, there's a... Remember that's... Actually, I shouldn't ask you about music. But because I know you're not you're not good with music. But there was that song with that video with those guys dressed in like animal suits. I don't know the I don't know, I don't know oh, the name of the oh, I don't um, know the name of the song, but it was very like it implied like a sexual meaning. And I can't help but think of that song when I see that image. Oh, I know. Are you talking about the guy? You know what I'm like, talking about, right? It was like 20 years ago. They were like dressed not up like, like monkeys. The, not not the, the the fox song. No. There's another song. God, what is it? It's gonna to come to me after we hang up, and it's gonna piss me off. Um, but you know, you 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 get the song I'm talking about, right? I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Is it the Bad Touch by the Bloodhound Gang? Is that right? Bad Touch by the Bloodhound Gang. Because I Don't I remember. I remember a video that was like up that was kind of really disgusting coming out in like 1999 and it was these guys in monkey suits and it was yeah. you know okay yeah I think that the one with the monkey suit yeah that's I think that's the one yeah, but I couldn't help but think about cuz they're talking about you know it's a very sexual in, in nature song and, and yeah. I when I saw that those two alien women change it to the to the animals and vice versa I couldn't get that song out of my head <laughs> Well, yeah. So, like, if you did, if you did a like a like a remix of that song mixed with Marvin Gaye's "Sexual Healing," that would perfectly describe <laughs> the scene. All I have to say is, that, like I said, I'm I'm still glad in the last issue when Sinestro stood up and he was wearing his uniform, and we didn't have to see any more of the mechanics than than we needed to. But exactly, yeah, yeah. Back to what is important here with this conversation. <laughs> First of all, we see a revelation that Joe asks him straight out, she's like, you know, were you responsible for what happened to the central power battery? Yeah. And he says no. And 
first of all, he says, you know, I'm not a liar. And do you think I'm a liar? And she says, no. And I've always believed that he wasn't at the center of it. Now, I don't necessarily think that we could rule him out that he didn't have some prior knowledge or he's not somehow, you know, kind of uh, surrounding the whole scenario here that he's not involved somehow. Sure. But I, I don't think he was the one who was directly responsible because, again, he would have just, you know, at the um, the United Nations, I think he would have stood up at that point and was like, yeah, I'm taking over now. Oh, absolutely, yeah. He, and that's, the, that's not what happened, so... I also like how he refers to her as Last Lantern. Yeah. So, so um, again, we see her leave eventually, and interestingly enough, you know, we see, you see in the background, you see uh, Simon taking off with Kelly. Again, we saw that, you know, after the scene with Jessica in the previous issue. Sinestro tells her, by the way, you know, you've got promise, too. If you ever want a Sinestro core ring, it's waiting for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and, and again, so, you know, with Sinestro, the the end game kind of for him is that he wants the Sinestro Corps to step up and kind of replace the void that has been left by the Green Lanterns. Right. Yeah. I just like that he's, he seems to be the ultimate recruiter in these two issues. Mm-hmm. He's, he's like, it really is like the NWO, you know, and they'd go... Like you'd watch those backstage segments where they're trying to entice somebody to join, you know, to, right. <laughs> to defect from WCW to the end of it. It felt like the same thing, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's why we give give everybody like a T-shirt. You know, yeah. you know, we got a T-shirt ready for you, yeah. <laughs> Joe. You ever want to come back? Next issue, we're gonna see with the yellow spray paint. And get it ready. <laughs> <laughs> now, see, that would be cool if he spray painted the Sinestro Corps logo and like if he defeats an opponent and like spray paints it on their back. Uh, if you're gonna, if Jeff Thorne ever ever does that, he's gonna get uh, uh, Daryl Banks to come in and do a guest, a guest. Uh, oh yeah, spot. oh yeah. It's you because know, of the, the whole yeah. wrestling. We gotta see if we can get Daryl Banks back on the show. Oh, most definitely. Well, like I said, you know, I'm down with that. So um, we'll have to we'll have to reach out and yeah. bring him back. But yeah, uh, no, he's the ultimate recruiter now. <laughs> he's. he's yeah, so uh, now we pivot back now to John Stewart's story, and it opens up with Hanu and Kilowog in distress. We kind of saw that in the previous issue, yeah. and we kind of see this is actually, I believe it was Dark Sector 1 that all these events were happening, and you kind of see, and you know, they talk about the barrier war. We see kind of the takeover here, and it's actually the gold centurions who have come through this wormhole or whatever and we see that they are they're talking about the lightbringer and that the lightbringer is coming by the way Echinex and Jex those were the two names of the uh the females that Sinestro was with Oh well, there we go. At least you know, uh, yeah, if I, I, I'll, I'll get now, bogged down on details. We so. know, we know their names, but does he? That's the real question. Because uh, in nine months, this could be a problem for him. I never thought about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! <laughs> in nine issues from now, we're going to see them come back and be like, "Remember us?" And he's like, "No." <laughs> no, no. And then, and then, Mori Povich is going to pop in the next panel. <laughs> You have the results? 
<laughs> no, oh, but uh, I'm curious to know who the who this light bringer is. Yeah, you know, I've I've listened online to other people theorizing about it. Um, nobody seems to know. Have a couple theories, maybe. It's Kyle. He's the third man. No, I'm <laughs> wouldn't that be cool if, like, Kyle somehow, you know, I, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> Lightbringer, White Lantern. I don't know. I just put. I just that was just off the off my head. Off my head. Yeah. And I want to mention Kyle because you know I like Kyle. Well, likewise. I. Yeah. Well, I wondered. You know, I was like Lightbringer. I was like, is it some? you know, type of new lantern? Is it some, you know, inverted version of, you know, one of the lanterns, like mm -hmm. like uh, like Kyle? Or is it... So um, like an alternate universe version. Or, or is it, you know, somebody like Relic, who, you know, at a different point... Yeah, uh, yeah good point. Somebody like yeah. that. Um, and again, those are absolute long shots. I don't know who, you know... And uh, then again, we it could be, um, um, you know, High Father or somebody like that. Uh, right. Because obviously there's a new God's connection here. So we also see Sakari kind of filling John in on the barrier war by once again using those tentacles to kind of, you know, to um, tap into his mind and kind yeah, of let him mind know. Meld, that mind meld yeah. kind of thing, yeah. I, you know, I've, I've got to ask Jeff if that is uh, inspired by um, Avatar, because it definitely seems like it is. That could be. Yeah. Yeah. I also really like the art here for the, the Gold Centurions. They look really, really cool. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. And it's almost like, how it's almost like a religious conversion for what they've done to that, like the aliens on that planet. Um, and but I mean, they they when they come, they they I mean, the the place like is like in chaos. And oh man, this is just it's a really interesting issue to see, you know, where Jeff is going with this. Because it seems like he gives us information, and like you think he's solving something, but then he opens up another little. Yeah, there's about fifty more else. questions. Yeah, exactly. You get, about, so. you get about three answers and forty-five questions mm -hmm. <laughs> coming out of that. Well, we get a big answer here at the end. We finally know who that mysterious guy. I think it was issue number one and issue number four. The guy with like the the floating guy with the light with the white circle. Um, that's Lonar who's uh, kind of a lesser-known new god, and he's just kind of sitting there when John is ready to lead this expedition, and he's like, okay, I'm here and to see whether John's going to kind of pass or fail. And he's like, you know, my name is Lonar. I'm from New Genesis. I'm here to watch you save the universe or destroy it, one or the other. Yeah, he's like, I'm not going to help you. I'm just here to watch. Mm -hmm. So what is his role in all he's of He's kind of like the Watcher. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Not, yeah, <laughs> not quite as removed. He's just kind of sitting there, but yeah. That's, yeah, it, I mean, they can see him. He's like, yeah. <laughs> next thing, yeah, next thing she's going to have some popcorn. But like, yeah. This is, yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I feel bad for Kilowog. He's still, he's still spread. They're oh, still yeah. going yeah. to rescue him. Yeah. Kilowog and Hanu, they're all, they're still in a bad way there. So, yeah. But at least helps on the way. Yeah. So what do you think of this issue? Overall, again, really, really solid stuff. Uh, I like both aspects of the story. Um, I like how the first part kind of filled in some gaps from last issue. Mm 
mm. you know, sort of, uh, and um, and I, I like I said, I really like the um um I'm really enjoying the. Of course, Green Lantern is always going to have that sci-fi element, but the John Stewart story, center story, feels like even more so tapping into the sci-fi realm it's got the like i've said before it's got that star trek kind of vibe mm -hmm. and, and well I, and it, I, I i still think you know at this point it still seems to be taking place in like an accelerated timeline yeah it's not happening as some of the others again i talked about that pivot earlier on where you know part of it is over here we're seeing jessica and over here we're seeing joe this because of that barrier thing it's happening much faster i believe yeah, again yeah. Oh, Jeff, say 14 years in the future. This is happening again at an accelerated rate. So yeah, so I I'm really enjoying it. <clears throat> so the story is going to get a full five from me. Uh, the art is going to get a 4.5. Um, well, that's my rating too. It was story was five, art four, 4.5. It's really solid. The art. Um, Yeah, I, I, I've got I, I've got nothing negative <clears throat> to say about the art because both artists, both Tom Raimi, uh, Raimi and uh, um, Marco Santucci, are really strong artists. Just me as as a as a reader and as a viewer, I prefer Santucci's art a little bit more. Oh, likewise. Yeah. So I'd love a full issue. You know, part of me would love a full issue of Marco Santucci. So, um, but yeah, that's <clears throat> that's not a knock or or to disparage anything else. Okay. It's just it is what it is. Here we go. Here we go. This is the annual. Again, both the annual and the variant. Both of these available from DC Comics. Awesome. Yeah, and likewise, this is Green Lantern number six. The variant. Again, both available from DC Comics. Remember to support the comic book industry. Yes, and uh, if you if you if you are a physical comic reader, then definitely go to your comic shop. And if you are a digital reader, Comicsology has both those issues waiting for you to purchase as well. Um, so that pretty much wraps it up this uh, this episode. Always good talking Green Lantern with you, Donnie. And if people want to talk more Green Lantern with you between now and our next episode, where do they do that? You can find me on Twitter as the Emerald Enthusiast. Let's talk comics. Let's talk collectibles. Let's talk Green Lantern. And you can find me uh, on Twitter at Adam underscore Lee's fan. We also have the <clears throat> at MMNPDC Twitter page, which is just the <clears throat> general podcast network page. And we have a Facebook group, which the link is in the description below. Click it. I will add you. We can continue the conversation there. <clears throat> but until next time, remember that the Green Lantern is forever. From the first time Jessica Cruz travels to New Corridor to the last. So long, everybody. I'm just glad you didn't say anything about Sinestro's activities. So, <laughs> so long, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>